Welcome back to Love Murder Current Affairs, our show about the cases of love gone fatally wrong that are actually in the news right now. So this week, we get to share a handful of stories showing just how powerful it can be when investigators have the resources to reopen cold cases. Before that, though, we want to give you an update on the case of Abby Choi, the influencer and model who was killed and dismembered in Hong Kong by, allegedly, her former in-laws. When we left the case, five people had been arrested in connection with the murder. The suspects included Choi's ex-husband, ex-brother-in-law, ex-father-in-law, and ex-mother-in-law. The fifth person arrested was a woman who was having an affair with the ex-father-in-law who allegedly rented him the flat where the gruesome killing took place. Almost as soon as we published the show, a sixth arrest was made in the case. The man, Lam Shun, was an employee of a pleasure boat rental business. And according to a source, he had been offered 300,000 Hong Kong dollars, or about 38,000 U.S., to organize an escape by boat for Abby's ex-husband, Alex Kwong. The plan had been for Kwong to take a boat from a Hong Kong pier into international waters where another boat would be waiting to pick him up. Local authorities foiled the plan and arrested Kwong, which led to his later arrest of his accomplice. Lam was released this week on 50,000 Hong Kong dollars bail. Another accomplice in the escape plan, 29-year-old Irene Pun, was arrested and appeared in court this week, being accused of arranging for a yacht to help Alex flee to Macau, quote, knowing or believing him to be guilty of the offense of murder. She also had bail set at 50,000 Hong Kong dollars. On Wednesday, investigators also advanced their case when DNA tests confirmed that the skull found in a soup pot and two legs found in a refrigerator did in fact belong to Abby Choi. Ugh, poor Abby. Even after Abby's death, the battle around the luxury apartment she bought under her father-in-law's name continues. This week, Abby's mother asked the high court to file an injunction prohibiting Cao Kuang from being allowed to sell the 9.4 million U.S. dollars luxury apartment. She also asked the court to declare Abby as the beneficial owner. The case has garnered so much attention that Hong Kong's permanent secretary for housing are looking into closing the loopholes that allowed Abby to buy the apartment under her father-in-law's name in the first place. So we will definitely keep you guys posted as there are further developments in that really confounding case. It's unbelievable. <laughs> It's also messy, the affair partners, the whole family involved. When I told my husband about it, he was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, how is this happening? It's unbelievable the disgusting things people will do for money. Speaking of developments, we turn our attention now to a cold case that got a major update this week. In November of 1988, the relationship between Deborah and Robert Atrops was on the rocks. The couple lived together in Salem, Oregon with their eight-month-old adopted daughter. Though they were still married, they had been separated for about five months at the time. On November 29th, Deborah went to a hair appointment in nearby Tigard while Robert picked up their child from a babysitter. Robert expected his wife to be back at 8 p.m. at the latest, but she never showed up. Frantically, Robert called several friends and family members who he hoped would be able to give him some information about where his wife might be. When all of those calls led to dead ends, he then reported her missing to the police. The next day, November 30th, Robert was interviewed by police and told them that he still hadn't heard from Deborah. 
Her car was entered into a database as connected to a missing person, and by the next day, they had a hit. A city public's work employee in Beaverton, Oregon, had noticed a black Honda Accord looking suspiciously abandoned. The car apparently had its driver's side window down and was missing license plates. Even more sus was the fact that the car's keys appeared to be abandoned on the driver's seat. No, no. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like not it's normal. begging to be stolen, essentially. When authorities checked out the car, it would not take them long to make a grisly discovery. Deborah's body was in the trunk of the car. The missing woman had been murdered. An autopsy would show that Deborah had been killed before being stuffed into the trunk. She had been assaulted and strangled. The question was, by whom? That question lingered for three decades, with authorities never uncovering enough evidence to make an arrest. All that changed, however, in 2020. That year, the Washington County Sheriff's and District Attorney's offices formed a partnership to create a cold case multidisciplinary unit, which then received a grant from the U.S. Department of Justice. In 2021, the cold case unit reopened Deborah's murder case, and for the next year and a half, they undertook the laborious work of re-interviewing many of the witnesses in the case, as well as taking a fresh look at forensic evidence. Okay, Jesse, I think this is so fascinating and cool that they got a grant for this because I feel like there's so many people that are just left in limbo and never get to figure out cold cases of loved ones who went missing or were murdered. And I just think this is just remarkable. Well, especially when DNA is involved with all of the leaps and bounds and technology we've made. Absolutely. And even though it's still completely tragic, it almost does feel like a better true crime story or more feel good that there's answers after all that time and that no one gave up on that victim, that they kept fighting. I know. It's so cool. It's very, very cool. Well, not cool for Deborah's husband, Robert, because he was ultimately arrested and indicted for Deborah's murder on March 2nd for one count of murder in the second degree. Oh, my God. Robert is now in custody in Washington County awaiting trial. Like you just said, Andy, this is a pretty amazing testimony to empowering local investigators with resources to reopen these cold cases and get these answers. So let's hope now that 35 years after her murder, Deborah can finally find some justice and rest in peace. It really is true that when authorities have the resources, they can often make enormous progress in cold cases. There were a bunch of them that had major announcements this week. There was one in which a 23-year-old woman's body was found by a group of deer hunters in Georgia in 1989. Police were never able to find anyone to reasonably connect to the crime, and so it went cold. In 2019, though, the Monroe County Sheriff's Department decided to take another crack at it. It took them four years, but ultimately they were able to connect DNA to a 59-year-old man in Indiana, more than 700 miles from where the body was found. The suspect, Larry Paget, was a truck driver who police now believe picked up the victim, Mary Wilfong, at the farmer's market before sexually assaulting and strangling her. Paget is on his way from Indiana to Georgia, where he'll be formally charged. Ugh, I love it when these old, gross oldies get theirs after I believe that they think that they had gotten away with it. I know. One more case that saw progress, thanks to these sort of tireless efforts, was that the Jane Doe of an unsolved 1978 murder case in Massachusetts 
was positively identified. In June 1978, a woman was shot and killed in the woods outside of Granby, Massachusetts. Her remains weren't discovered until a full five months later in November. The death was ruled a homicide, but the police at the time were not able to identify the victim. Around two years ago, however, Massachusetts authorities started working with a private forensic lab in Texas to analyze the victim's DNA profile. Using forensic genetic genealogy, they identified a female relative in Maryland who eventually led them to a man named Matthew Dale. Matthew's mother had gone missing when he was only five years old, and he never knew where she went. When the DNA of the Jane Doe was compared to Matthew's DNA, it was 100% a parent-child match. Oh, that's devastating news to find out after all of those years. Yes. But, I mean, at the end of the day, at least he knew his mother did not mean to leave him. The murdered mother was Patricia Ann Tucker, who had been 28 at the time of her death. So young. The police are now moving to investigate who might be responsible for Patricia's untimely death. In fact, their first person of interest is Patricia's then-husband, Gerald Coleman. Patricia and Coleman had gotten married in 1977 and were living with Patricia's son, Matthew, in Connecticut. Ugh, it's always the husband. Seriously. Matthew told police that in August 1978, Gerald dropped him off at an acquaintance's house. He never saw or heard from his mother or Coleman again. At this time, not much is known of the intervening years. Gerald Coleman would eventually die in state prison in 1996. First Assistant District Attorney Stephen Gagne said in a statement, while it's satisfying to know who the Granby girl actually was, the investigation won't stop until we identify her killer and bring the family an additional measure of closure and justice. This investigation has spanned decades and will continue until each and every possible lead is explored. Even if the investigation remains ongoing, Matthew Dale wrote a note expressing how thankful he was that investigators never gave up on his mother. Quote, I would like to say thank you to everyone in trying to identify my mother and wrapping your arms around her, especially the community of Granby. Thank you for never giving up on her. At least I have some answers now after 44 years. It's a lot to process, but hopefully closure can begin now. Thank you again. So we'll close with a big thanks to all of the investigators out there working on incredibly difficult cold cases like this. Your efforts are seen and they are appreciated. Until next time, I'm Jesse Bright. And I'm Andy Cassette, signing off for Love Murder Current Affairs.